Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, guest host Holly Wagner talks with best-selling author, Bible teacher, and international speaker Christine Kane. They discuss ways in which our identities are robbed and how we have the power to take back our true identities in Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 5, after this... After what? Don't you love it when we start, a preacher starts with after this? You're like, wow, okay, so what was before this? Because if we're going to get to after this, some of you, your brain now will not be able to listen to me because you're like, after what? And um, this is after John chapter 4 because even in Australia, the Bible goes in sequential order, John 4, John 5. I mean, it's just, I it's just like a thought, but it really does. And John 6 comes next, guess what? So in John chapter 4, there's, there's a great, great... Um, story where Jesus meets the woman at the well in Samaria. And, and I love that story on so many levels, but especially because she was like an evangelist chick. When she encountered Jesus, um, the first thing she did when she got a taste of the love and the grace and the living water of Jesus that just washes us clean, she ran back to her town and she told everyone that she knew and she had revival in her town. So if you're wondering if chicks could preach, there she is right there, the Samarian woman. And then, of course, Jesus healed the official son. I mean, J- John chapter 4 is just full of action. The whole book of John is. I mean, I love that. And then, so after this, after we've just had this huge story of Jesus chatting to this Samarian chick, Jesus healing this official son, then we get to this place. So we're in a bit of a flow. He he didn't stop. He he always tried to rest. I love what Priscilla said. And and then the crowds would always come. Every every time he was just like, you know what? This, This is about enough. We've just had the time with the Samarian woman. We just had revival in the town. They all came. Then he heals someone else. Well, after all of that, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in the Jewish calendar, there's, there's three feasts that they come and celebrate. There's Passover, there's Pentecost and Tabernacles. And commentators think this would have been the Feast of Tabernacles. And of course, because Jesus was Jewish, he went to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast because that's what you did. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids. Everyone say there was a lot. Blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's longer than Jesus was alive. That's like a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. Now the dude's been down for 38 years. I just want you to know what legalism and religion does. It doesn't want you to get well. It says, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed didn't know who it was. For Jesus has withdrawn as there was a crowd in in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him 
in the temple. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more. What an interesting thing for Jesus to say. That nothing worse may happen to you. We really don't like that part. I'm just going to read it again because I think it's been taken out of a lot of people's Bibles. (laughs) Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. This is the words of Jesus. It's in red. So for all the red letter Christians, this is in red as well. This is in the Gospels, not the Old Testament. Just letting you know. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. It's interesting. What a story. What a story. So here we are probably on the Feast of Tabernacles, definitely at one of the three feasts. And Jesus comes into town and the Bible says that by the sheep's gate. Now, coming into Jerusalem, and I've just come back from Israel. I love Israel. And coming in to the sheep's gate, it's right there by the Pool of Bethesda. And why they had a sheep's gate was because the shepherds would bring the sheep in through the gate. And the Pool of Bethesda was split in half. On one half of the pool, it was for the shepherds to wash their sheep before they went in. And the other half was for people to to bathe in. Now, legend had it that if you laid by the pool, that the waters would begin to stir. Now, that was probably because there was something happening underground that would cause the waters to bubble and come up to the top. But legend had it that angels' wings would somehow just kind of, you know, uh, would move and the water would be moved. And if you were one of the sick people that got in the pool first, it it was such an infrequent event. You laid by the pool and you didn't know when it was going to happen. Once every how many years? Who knew? But you laid by the pool because this might be your day. Can you imagine every day lying in some place, wishing, wondering, is this my day? Am I the one? Am I in the right place? Is this the right time? Is this my time? You just never knew. And that's what happened. The Bible says that there were five colonnades. So there were five pillars and they were kind of covered like porches. And the Bible says that these five porches gathered around this one pool, there was a multitude of invalids, the lame and the paralyzed and the crippled. There was a multitude. Have you ever noticed that there's always a multitude, that misery always lacks company? Have you ever noticed that that there's always a whole lot? Have you ever noticed that people of like spirit, people of likeness end up together? Look, I've been in church life for 30 years. Have you ever noticed that people can walk into a church, not even know each other, but all of a sudden you've got like all the negative people just find themselves. All the naysayers, they're just there. All the critical people, they're, they're in another section. All the positive people, they're in another section. All the progressives are up there and and all the conservatives are, they just find themselves. All the gossipers, they just find themselves. It's amazing how we love to to get into groups around people that are like us and then we create a, a culture and a culture can often be more dangerous than the disease. And so what was happening was these people were all like around the porches. They were all around each other and they were just laying there thinking this might be my day. I wonder if, if, if maybe I'm going to get lucky and I'm going to fall in the water and there was just so many of them. Now what is interesting is Jesus walks into this. Now, these are people that are laying there and our churches are full of people 
like this all the time. These are people that they want to be accepted rather than changed. They want to be affirmed rather than changed. They want to be comforted rather than changed. They want to be enabled rather than changed. They want to be pitied rather than changed. See, they, they find their identity in their condition. They're lying, they're, they're under the porch, they're under the portico that's got their identity. This is who I am. It's not my fault. I, I was born this way. You don't know what they did to me. This is my identity. And they come in and they gather around in groups and they all get around together and they all make a hashtag and they all go on Twitter and we all get together. And we no longer are identified by who we are in Christ. We're identified by what happened to us. And so it's interesting because we're just known by our issues. Now I know no one in here has got any issues. I'm just talking for all the people on the live stream or TV that are watching this because they're all the people with issues. I know nobody in this room has any, but I'll just ask your friend whether you might have any Issues, you know, don't, don't talk about that around her because that's her, she's got an anger issue. She's just got this issue. She's just got, the Bible is full of people that don't know their names. They, we, we don't know their names in scripture, but we, we just know their issue. That's all. A lot of Christians are like that. We, no longer, you don't even define yourself by your name anymore. It's just your issue. That's what we lead out with. In Luke 8, there's the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name, but we know her issue in John 4. There's the Samaritan woman. We don't know her name, but we know that she, how many husbands she had. In John 8, there's the woman caught in the act of adultery. We don't know her name, but we know her issue. There's the man born blind in John chapter 9. There's the demoniac in Mark 5. There's the leper in Mark 1. There's the deaf and mute man in Mark, in Mark chapter 7. There's the Bible is full of people. We don't know their names, but we know their condition. We know their issue. I wonder how many there are that in this room that you know what? You, you've forgotten what your identity is because you are so used to being identified by your issue. I've come looking for some people with some issues in the room today. Some people that have made a decision. I don't want to be defined by my issue any longer. I want to be defined by who I am in Christ as a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I could have lived as a woman defined by my issue. I have every issue known to man. I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted. My birth certificate doesn't have a name on it. It's this child's name, unnamed, number 2508 of 1966. I was sexually abused for 12 years at the hands of four men, several times a week often. I grew up in the poorest zip code in my state, the third poorest zip code in the whole nation of Australia. Second generation migrant Greek before my big fat Greek wedding when it was not cool to be Greek in Australia. So marginalized because of my ethnicity in a culture that did not esteem women at all. So I tell everyone, I, I fit every government funding category in Australia. I'm a marginalized, oppressed, dispossessed, poor, ethnic, minority, abused, adopted chick. I could make a fortune on government funding because they fund people like me. They give me a label and they say, victim, come back next week and receive your check. But I read the book and my Bible says he's redeemed my life from the pit that I don't need to live as any kind of victim. But we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthened us. We need a church that believes in a transformational God. We need a church that believes Jesus is who he says. 
as He is, that Jesus can do what He says He can do. So Jesus walks into this mess of people that have identified themselves by their issue, people that are just accepted their lot in life. This is just how it's always going to be. It wasn't my fault. This is just what happened. He walked into that. But in the midst of all of that, Jesus spots one man. Do you notice that he didn't go to every person? Oh, that's another sermon in itself. Because in every multitude, there's normally only one that really wants to change. And so Jesus walks in and he's looking for one. I've come looking for the one. Today on television, you haven't tuned in by accident watching this. I've come looking for the one that says, you know what? Is it, is it me? Is, is this my deal? Can you imagine lying there for 38 years looking at the future you want to be in and you can't, you know, there's nothing more painful than looking at something you can't reach. He's lying there, lying there 38 years longer than Jesus lived. 38 years defined by his condition. Some of you, 38 years defined by something that happened. Who in your life is worth 38 years? The abusers abused me for 12 years. They took enough. I'm not giving them. I've been, I'm 52 years old this year. I was abused for 12 years. That means I have not been being abused for 40 years. There are other people still on the mat. 40 years later, the devil already took 12. Don't give him another 38. Nobody in your life is worth 38 years, no matter what they did to you. Nobody is worth 38 years of your life. Let that ex-husband go. Let that ex-lover go. Let that pain, that betrayal, that bitterness, bring it to the foot of the cross of Jesus. Appropriate the blood of Jesus and let it go. Nobody is worth 38 years of your life. Nobody. He's lying there for 38 years. And Jesus walks in to him. And then I'm telling you, this is what blows me away about Jesus. He makes me feel so much better about my pastoral care gifts. Because Jesus would be kicked off the pastoral care staff of the church. Because he walks into the dude and says to him, Do you want to be healed? Y'all, if I did that today, I would be the front, the front page of the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times. I would be on the front. Tele-evangelist asks lame person if they want to be healed. Oh, I could see the headlines now. Chris Kane has no compassion. Jeez, she is merciless. Imagine what they would have done with Jesus in the age of social media. That would be right now, this second, it would be on the YouTube already because one of you would have already filmed that. You would have uploaded it to YouTube and it would be going viral right now. Prophet Jesus comes to town and he has just got no heart. He's just got no compassion. He just doesn't understand what made this man be like that. He has just got no mercy, no understanding, no tolerance for these people. That's where Jesus spoke to his condition, said, you don't have to be identified by the thing that's got you on the mat. 
I'm going to speak to the potential on the inside of you. I'm going to speak to the purpose on the inside of you. And you're going to be able to get up. Christine, you do not have to be defined by what was done to you for 12 years. And if you and I can get to a place where we make what Jesus did for us bigger than what they did to us, we can see change and transformation in our life. There comes a point where we must make what Jesus did for us bigger than what anybody said to us or what anybody did to us. And Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be healed? Do you know why he asked that? Because he was asking him, do you want the responsibility that comes with healing? Because see, when I was a victim, it was okay because everyone felt sorry for me. I could come to conferences, I could go to church every week, and everyone would go, well, that's, that's, you don't understand what happened to Christine. She can't submit to any male leadership because you don't know what men did to her. And you know the only one that would have won is the enemy. Because I wouldn't be walking in my destiny 30 years later. Because I would be still running, running, running. But I'd really, metaphorically speaking, still be on my mat. Defined by what they did to me. Defined by my condition. I would never be stepping in. There would be no A21. There would be no Propel. There would be no what I do, teaching and preaching. There would be none of that. There would be no marriage with Nick that sustained for 22 years. My two daughters, and by the grace of God, growing into fine young women of the Lord, that wouldn't happen. Because I would just have continued to lie on a mat and I'd keep making everyone else pay for something they never did to me, but what somebody else did to me four decades ago. Some of you, people are paying for something they never did to you. And that's why you go from one relationship to the next or one job to the next or one church to the next or one pill to the next or one Netflix series binge watching to the next or one bed to the next. Lying on our mats, anything to anesthetize the pain, anything to numb the pain, anything to medicate the pain, anything but deal with it. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And I'm speaking into the atmosphere of this generation and I'm asking you the same question because we've just had a couple of years of just letting it all go and I'm done. I don't know if anyone else is, but I am as a leader in the church. I'm like, you know what? Jesus did not die in vain. Jesus did not shed his blood in vain. And I, I, it's not a lack of empathy. It's actually a love for people to say, you don't have to lie on a mat. You can get up and you can walk into your God-given purpose and you can walk into your God-given destiny. Jesus is in the transformation business. It's why he came. He transforms lives. If he doesn't, why don't we just be like any other religion? I didn't sign up for a cute little religion. I signed up for Jesus to transform my life and me to transform the world around me. And I'm not going to be dictated to by a culture that says stay on your mat and blame everyone else. I'm like, oh, you can stay on your mat if you want. There's a multitude, but there's always one that says, no, 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 I'm not staying on this mat. I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk into the God-given destiny and the God-given purpose and the God-given future that is ahead of me. And Jesus speaks to that. He speaks to that. It's so challenging because basically I am saying it's up to you. As a woman that has been sexually abused for 12 years, as a woman, I don't know that there would be any greater pain than being abandoned by your mother in a hospital. 
without a name. That kind of ripping, it caused a lot of damage to me, a lot of damage. It's taken a lot of years of counseling. It's taken a, a lot of work for me to keep walking once I got off that mat. But I am living proof that Jesus did not shed his blood in vain. I am living proof that you can start bad and you can finish good in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Christine, you're just an, an anomaly. Honey, you don't need, I, I, I'm sick of all the excuses. Christine, it's just your personality type. Christine, it's just where, well, listen to me. Freedom is not something on the disc profile. Freedom is not an Enneagram number. Freedom is not a love language. Freedom is not a personality type. Freedom is a blood type. It's the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It sets people free. It sets people free. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. And I will not bow down to a culture that's trying to make us say, this doesn't really work. Be careful. You might offend someone. I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I'm like the people in the book. I, I, I was just blind and now I see. I, listen, I don't know the theology. I don't have a seminary degree, but I do know I encountered Jesus Christ. And I know I was blind and I know I see. And I am like John and Peter in the book of Acts where they looked at them and they, and they just said, you know what? I cannot help but speak of the things that I have seen and heard. And culture might try to silence us and people might try to look down on us and you can put it whichever way you want, but I have encountered a resurrected Saviour and He set me free. And He whom the sun sets free shall and can be free indeed. And you know what? I love the fact in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says the, the Sadducees, and the fact they looked at them and they said, they looked and said, you, you know, surely these are unlearned and uneducated men, that's like me. But they could see that they had been with Jesus. And I'm like, you're the one thing you can't take from me, from me. I might not have a seminary degree. I might not be as smart as half the people out there. But let me tell you something. I have been with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and he transforms lives. He transforms lives. So he went to the one and this is what blows my mind, because this is so many of us in church every week. He's lying down there. Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Now, listen, if I had been lying here for 38 years and some dude came up to me <laughs> and he was giving me a chance to get off this mat, the guy did not say yes. We do that every Sunday in church. Here's the word. If you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So here's the truth. of Oh, I haven't got anyone to put me in the pool. What sort of answer is that? Do you want to be free? I haven't got anyone to put me in the pool. It's not my fault. No one's going to do it for me. No one's going to put me there. Not only that, as if one complaint isn't enough, this dude comes up with two. 
bothers me. I never get picked for the worship team. It's not my fault. Everyone gets in first. Are you serious? Jesus himself is standing here. Jesus himself is standing with each and every one of you. The Holy Spirit resides in each and every one of us. You don't need anyone else to put you in the pool. You don't need anyone else. No one else can get in first. There is freedom for everyone that wants freedom. You don't need anyone else to put you in the pool because Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. You have access to everything you need in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's there. It's there. You don't need somebody else. You can stop blaming that church. You can stop blaming your ex. You can stop blaming that teacher. Stop blaming. Because Jesus is standing there and he's asking you what he asked that man. Do you want to be made well? He's not asking for a list of why you think you can't be made well. He's saying, do you want to be made well? Every time we open that word, he's asking, do you want to? Do do you want to be made well? Every time. We bring this word every time. Do you want to be made well? But this is us. In the day in which we live, with all of the economic and political and social and moral and environmental cray-crayness that's happening on the earth, it is excruciatingly difficult to continue to live with hope. It's hard to, it's painful to keep believing God for healing when the doctor's report is continuously negative. It is painful to keep believing God that he's going to bring you your spouse when you're still the president of the Singles Till Rapture Club, you know, and you don't want to be. It is painful to keep believing for a, a child when you're having fertility challenges. It's painful to keep believing for the adoption to come through when they just keep falling through. It's painful to keep believing for your business to flourish when it seems like the finances aren't coming. It's painful. But the degree to which you're willing to embrace that pain, that's where the faith is. That's where the faith is. So you go one of two ways. You either go so hyper faith that you're just living in fantasy land, not dreamland. It's fantasy land. Or you're so negative that you're not believing God for anything and you're just lying on the mat going, well, this is just my lot in life. It must be the will of God. Even though the psalmist says he makes my lot to fall in pleasant places. Even though Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundant. But you've got to be willing to embrace the pain of recovery. You've got to be willing to do the hard work of forgiveness. What you're seeing all over social media right now is that root of bitterness that the Bible talks about This is what's scary. It doesn't just defile you. Scripture says it defiles many. Because there's power of life and death in the tongue. And so what we need to do is say, God, I'm willing. I've got to do the hard work and do what the Scripture says. That's why you, you can be healed. It's all here in the Word. But man, forgiveness is really hard work. Not allowing a root of bitterness to defile you or your family or your friend. Oh, that's hard work. Not gossiping, especially on social media. Hard work. Not slandering, especially on social media. Hard work. 
But the Bible hasn't changed because we don't like what we're in. And let me just say this is nothing on a global scale compared to what's coming if we really believe the Bible. So I can't pander because I'm going to stand before God. And if I have any responsibility, my job is to help bring the saints to maturity. And that means there comes a time where you go, I understand what got you on the mat. And I understand why you're angry. And I understand why you're bitter. And I understand why you feel betrayed. And I understand. I get it. I know what they did to you. But I need you to get your eyes off what they did to you. I need you to get your eyes on what he did for you. And I want you to understand that it's more powerful. I need you to understand that this word hasn't changed because our culture's changed. Just because something's legal doesn't mean it's biblical. So I'm just saying across the board in many, many different things that it is so important that we're in the word. And it's so important that we continue to maintain a godly. God is holy. I don't know if anyone still remembers that. And the process of sanctification is that we would become holy like he is holy. Assigned to this world in the end times we don't reach this world by becoming like it. It's our distinctiveness that will attract people to Jesus Christ. So the fact is we are in it, but not of it. Gentle reminder for free. (laughs) And so what happens is Jesus says to him, get up. Jesus, not only would Jesus get kicked off the pastoral care team for saying, do you want to be healed? Because that's insensitive. But then Jesus says, I want you to get up. He tells him to do something he can't do. That's what I come into church and do to you every week. Tell you to do something you can't do in your own strength. I can't. I know you can't. That's why you got the Holy Ghost. He tells him to do something he can't do. Get up and not just get up. Don't get up and start ranting on social media. Don't get up and start trying to get up and pick up the thing that was carrying you. Pick up that thing and you start carrying the thing that was carrying you. Get up changes your perspective. Picking it up changes your strength. And then he says, and walk. And you keep walking so that you continue to have a renewed perspective into your future all the time. Some of you have just gotten up and you don't know what to do because you haven't done the second part, which is pick up what it was and then begin to walk in the future and allow your history to give other people a destiny. Allow God to redeem the broken parts of your past so that you can walk into the future that he has for you. And then he says, they go to the legalists and the legalists are like, it's a Sabbath. The legalists will never celebrate a miracle. The cessationists will never celebrate a miracle, even if it happens right in front of their face. What do you mean? They don't even talk about the miracle that happened, that this man's pain was alleviated, that this man could now walk and run. No, it doesn't fit their theology. It's not on the Sabbath. So they would rather the man stay crippled on the mat than have their theology proved wrong. But legalism will keep you on that mat. Religious, repressive culture will keep you. But I'll tell you what else will keep you on the mat. Religion will keep you on the mat. License will get you back on that mat quicker than anything you know. See, the part we don't talk about much in our dispensation of grace is that even in the New Testament, both to the woman that was caught in the act of adultery and to this man, 
So if it's twice, it's got to be important. Jesus said the phrase, go and sin no more. If you want to get back on that mat and live a defeated life and have no victory, then just go right back to what you were doing. It's not an issue of your soul. If you're saved, you're saved. This is not a salvation issue. It is a victorious, overcoming Christian life issue. It is an issue of whether you will flourish in this life and you will step into the fullness of what God has for you. And so he says, did you notice Jesus went in and found him in the temple? This man had never been in the temple for 38 years. He'd been by the pool because your healing will give you access to places that you never would have had if you stayed in your brokenness. Things that I'm seeing now have given me access into doors and rooms rooms and opportunities that I could never have dreamt of. My husband today with the president of nations. Why? Because we got off the mat and we started to walk. A21 flourishing around the world. We got the Mother Teresa Award in India in December. Why? Because we got off the, off the mat and we began to walk. Your healing will give you access to your destiny and your future. It will open doors and opportunities that you would never otherwise have if you stayed on the mat. Some of you are wondering why you're not in those doors yet. It's because you haven't got up, picked up your mat and started walking. That's what's going to get you into your future and into your destiny. And it's not just for you. It's for the generations that are to come. That's why we call this She Rises. Oh boy. Oh, you can rise. You can rise. You know, I was in England and I was doing a conference. I thought, you know what? I studied Shakespeare for three years at university. I want to go. I'm going to go to Stratford-upon-Avon and I'm going to go and visit Willie. And I was so excited because I thought, I want to go and visit Will. And, um, but he wasn't home because he kind of died a few hundred years ago. But anyway, so I went and visited Willie, but he wasn't there. But across the road, there was this genealogy store, a computer store that specialised in genealogies. I was like really feeling it. My husband, Nick, is the 14th of 15 children to a British mother. There was like no television in that part of Australia. And so his, his mother is English, his father is Irish. And so there is good British stock. I went into the genealogy store and I typed in the name, you know, Kane. And I'm thinking, you know, Lord Baron Knight, but no, it spits out this piece of paper. I'm not joking. I know how his um, ancestors got to Australia on the convict ships because it had pirates, criminals, convicts, thieves. I mean, this whole list of the convicts that got shipped out to Australia. And I was walking down the street and I was holding this piece of paper, laughing my head off to myself. And so I'm laughing and I'm going, oh yeah, look at this like convicts and criminals and thieves and, you know, uh, you know, all of this. And then I thought, imagine this connected to mine, incest and abuse and divorce and immorality and, you know, just addiction, all the brokenness. And you and I can do nothing to change the past. The blood of Jesus does not give you amnesia. If you're from a hyper word of faith tradition, that's what they have said. You know, it's under the blood, it's under the blood, it never happened, it never happened. That's called lying, just so you know. Okay, so faith is not calling those things that are as though they are not. So you don't go, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. If you're sick, you're sick, honey. Faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. So I call forth my healing that's not yet manifest as if it is. 
That's what faith is. And so, in the midst of all of that, I'm thinking, okay, you can't change that. It's pretty broken on both Nick's side and my side, my side terribly. And um, I started walking down the street and I thought, gee, I married well, good stock, great bloodline, awesome. And then I started to laugh louder because I thought, imagine when my daughters grow up and they go into a genealogy shop and they put in the name Cain. And when it spits out the church, we can do nothing to change the past. It's still gonna spit out on this side, you know, pirates and criminals and convicts and murderers and thieves. And over here, there will be incest and abuse and adultery and addiction and all of that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden, they're gonna read and go, they're gonna see this family tree here and this family tree here, nothing, nothing can change it. But then they're gonna see the 30th of March, 1996, Nicholas Joseph Kane marries Holy Ghost terrorist, Christine Kane. And then what they're gonna see is although we can't change the past, everything from that day forth has changed because Nick and I drew a bloodline in the sand and we said with us, it stops. Abuse stops with us. Addiction stops with us. Brokenness stops with us. That bloodline has stopped because of the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary. I'm telling you, Jesus' blood sets us free. We cannot change the past, but we can change the future. I've come here for the one, for the one, for the one that will say today, I am going to pick up my mat and walk in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Do you want to be healed is the question for our generation. We are getting our identity from everything, except for from Jesus. The issue isn't about how sick you are. The issue is, do you wanna get well? I don't know where it started. They tried to argue with the blind man. Was it his parents? Was it his gene pool? I don't know how I got here and broken and messed up. Or maybe I do know. And I can tell you exactly how and what and why. It doesn't make any difference how you got on the mat. The question on the table is not going to be fixed on a hashtag on Twitter. It's going to be fixed when we come to Jesus Christ. And He asks us the question, do you want to be healed? Because you can. You can. But it's a choice. Are you willing to embrace the pain of recovery but he's with you and he's given us his Holy Spirit if you're born again you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption he's in all of us and he gives us the power to be witnesses we've changed that in Christianity to do witnessing that's not what it says to be witnesses. He changes us from the inside out so that we can walk in victory, so that we can be a light in the darkness. We can say, I, I don't know what happened. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. 
I don't know. I can get this much help from my therapist. Then I'm like, you know what? Jesus fixed it. (laughs) I, I know it doesn't make sense. I know I've got really good reasons to be angry and bitter and walk with a limp through the rest of my life. But I met Jesus and he touched me and he healed me and he restored me and he sent me into a lost and a broken world. It's not just about you. It's about every other young woman on the other side of your obedience. Will you get off the mat for her? If you won't do it for you, will you do it for her? Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.